Book Six, Chapter Three, Part One of the History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume Two, by Henry Charles Lee book six practice chapter three part one arrest and sequestration although the power to arrest arbitrarily was inherent in the inquisitorial functions and all secular officials were bound to lend assistance if necessary still in practice it required justification by sufficient evidence in hand this was obtained in various ways the inquisitor might learn that public rumor designated a person as guilty of heretical acts and might cause secret inquest to be made in verification in the prevalent forms of heresy such as that of jewish and moorish apostates the most frequent source of incrimination was the confessions of accomplices on trial or under edicts of grace in other matters the initiative came largely from denunciations which were stimulated and favored in every way especially by the secrecy which relieved the informer from responsibility no duty was more strenuously inculcated on the people than that of denouncing any utterance or act partaking of calidad de oficio that is which came within the cognizance of the holy office divine law required this under penalty of mortal sin and ecclesiastical law under that of excommunication from this no ties of blood furnished release it is true that under the imperial jurisprudence accusations of near relatives were forbidden a mother could not accuse a son except of offences against herself and even a man brought up in another's house could not accuse his benefactor but simancas while highly approving of this says that there are two cases in which a son must accuse his father one when under examination by the inquisition the other when the father is a persistent heretic and as the obligation of the son to the father is of the highest this includes all other cases the instructions of fourteen eighty four offer mitigation of punishment to minor children who spontaneously denounce their parents and alfonso de castro relates that he denied absolution to a young man perfectly orthodox in faith who in confession in response to interrogatories admitted that his father was a judaizer but refused to denounce him in view of the consequences to himself of poverty and infamy the annual publication of the edict of faith with its accompanying anathemas proclaimed this imperative obligation in the most solemn manner and at the same time furnished a list of the offences to be denounced thus rendering every one a spy upon his neighbour the denunciation might be either verbal or written and if written either anonymous or signed it could be made to a tribunal or to any commissioner and it was expected to contain the names of witnesses to be summoned in its support 
these denunciations came in more frequently after the publication of the edict of faith and also about easter when the faithful confessed in preparation for the indispensable paschal communion and the confessors inquired whether they had denounced whatever they had heard seen or understood that was or appeared to be contrary to the faith or to the rights of the inquisition and absolution was withheld from those refusing to do so this denunciation and the evidence of the witnesses summoned in its support or the testimony acquired by inquest or by the confessions of those on trial constituted the sumaria the instruction preparatoire of french practice the tribunal however was held not to act summarily in so grave a matter as an arrest casting infamy on an entire lineage after the first tumultuous period when no one was safe from arbitrary imprisonment the portions of the evidence which conveyed the nature of the charge without the name of the accused underwent the process of qualification or censorship to determine whether they presented calidad de oficio we have seen in the cases of carranza of villanueva and of Roland diaz how important was the function of the calificadores or censors and how much sometimes depended on the manner in which the evidence was submitted to them in the rehabilitation of the nuns of san placido they were careful to declare that if they had had to act upon the testimony laid before their predecessors they would have reached the same conclusion against such garbling there could be no guarantee in the profound secrecy enveloping every act of the tribunals the calificadores were learned theologians whose duties we have already referred to some were regular appointees but any one could be called upon nor could he refuse to serve without pay when there was not unanimity the inquisitors decided or submitted the case to others there seemed to have been no settled or absolute rule in sixteen thirty four in the case of jacques garige a wandering french beggar professing sanctity and curative powers and claiming to be a messenger of god not without indications of insanity the two inquisitors joined with four calificadores in considering the evidence before arrest but this seems to be exceptional the resource of calling in successive calificadores in obscure cases frequently led only to a hopeless divergence of opinion bewildering rather than assisting the inquisitors when in sixteen forty the bernardine fray thomas de nieba defended some subtle conclusions in scholastic theology there were eleven calificadores called into service of whom some found nothing to censure others that the doctrine was a condemned one others again that it merely approached to error in the same year in the similar case of the franciscan fray juan lazaro one calificador pronounced his doctrine to be obscure and perilous if not formally at least virtually heretical another that to defend it was a most grave error while two others could find in it nothing objectionable yet lazaro was put on trial and after the case had traversed its various stages for months it was suspended though lazaro was ordered in future to teach the opposite opinion 
at length a carta acordada of october eighth seventeen o eight sought to regulate the system in all cases requiring qualification a correct extract was to be made from the evidence as to the acts and speeches charged with all circumstances contributory to a clear understanding this was to be sent to one of the calificadores who was to keep it at least three days and return it with his opinion not only as to the requisite censure but also as to the defence that could be made it was thus to pass from one to another after which the tribunal was to call them together to frame a common opinion books and papers were to be treated in the same way and there was no obligation of secrecy between the parties called in all classes of charges were not subjected to qualification for there were numerous and important groups of offenders who were deprived of this safeguard slender as it was at the best judaizers and moriscos renegades bigamists those administering sacraments without being in priestly orders and solicitors of women in the confessional were not entitled to it thus taken as a whole up to the middle of the eighteenth century the major portion of the business of the tribunals was exempt from qualification and practically it was limited to the refinements of venturesome theologians to the degree of heresy involved in more or less picturesque blasphemy the culpability of careless or reckless talkers and the implied pact with the demon in the conjurations of wise women and treasure-seekers like much else in the inquisition designed for the protection of innocence its working effect was reduced to a minimum at what period qualification was introduced it would be difficult to say with precision llorente assures us that in fifteen fifty it was not as yet in use this is incorrect for in fifteen twenty we find the suprema ordering that calificadores shall not be appointed without its consent and on the simple petition of aspirants by that time the custom was evidently established and in fifteen fifty six the suprema explained it not as a protection of innocence but as a means of placating the ordinaries in showing them that inquisitors were not seeking to extend their jurisdiction beyond heresy the instructions of fifteen sixty one merely provide that when there is sufficient testimony in a case pertaining to the inquisition if it requires qualification theologians of approved learning and character shall be consulted thus inferring that this is unnecessary when ceremonies known to be jewish or moorish are concerned or manifest heresy or fautorship the suprema felt it necessary in a carta acordada of july eleventh fifteen sixty nine to warn calificadores to confine themselves to defining the nature of propositions submitted and not to say whether or not there was calidad de oficio a limitation which they outgrew another carta of november twenty two fifteen seventy seven shows that it had become by this time a recognized preliminary to arrest by ordering that if an arrest should be necessary without it there should at least be qualification before the formal accusation is presented which occurred in a later stage of the proceedings in the gradual absorption of all initiative by the suprema so that eventually no arrest could be made without its order 
the importance of qualification declined qualificadores continued to be appointed but they seem to have been rather ornamental than useful members of the official family if we may judge from the variation in the number attached to the different tribunals the table in the appendix shows that in seventeen forty six madrid and llerena had none while valencia rejoiced in forty they still had a function however in the censorship of the press and tribunals that were insufficiently supplied could always summon theologians to their aid when necessity demanded their services as the sumaria was careful to recite that there was sufficient proof that all formalities had been observed and that further investigation was unnecessary the qualification completed the preliminaries the next step was the presentation by the fiscal of his clamosa or demand for the arrest of the accused in the fully developed formula of this he presented and swore to the sumaria and embodied the qualification as showing that the culprit merited the severest punishment to which end he asked for arrest and imprisonment with sequestration or embargo of property promising in due time to present a formal accusation and asking that meanwhile the registers of the other tribunals be examined with a view of securing further evidence forms of this were provided suited to the various classes of offences and to the cases of the absent or dead it manifests a praiseworthy desire to avoid precipitate action that a consulta de fe or consultation of the inquisitors with the consultores and ordinary was still technically required before issuing the warrant of arrest the existence of something of the kind is indicated as early as fifteen o nine by an order of the suprema that when there is not unanimity it must be consulted before arrest is made yet in fifteen twenty one a special order requiring such a consulta de fe in the case of moriscos would infer that the rule was otherwise obsolete that it was so is shown by subsequent cases and even as regards moriscos in a number of prosecutions at daimiel between fifteen forty and fifteen fifty the warrants are issued immediately on presentation of the clamosas the instructions of fifteen sixty one revived the practice but did not enjoin it as essential leaving it virtually to the discretion of the inquisitors after this we find it frequently observed and in the case of elvira del campo accused of jewish practices in fifteen sixty seven there is a consulta prior to the clamosa and a second one afterwards before the warrant of arrest is issued when solicitation in the confessional was subjected to the inquisition the desire to shroud the offence in obscurity led to a regulation in fifteen sixty four that only the vicar-general should be called into consultation and in sixteen hundred even he was excluded the inquisitors were to consult only with each other and then await the orders of the suprema as the rule became established that the suprema was to be consulted before arrest these formal preliminaries became of less importance and in the eighteenth century we are told that the consulta was no longer held the reason alleged being that the inquisitors then were jurists 
apart from these formalities there was an evident desire on the part of the chiefs of the inquisition to prevent injustice arising from hasty and inconsiderate action in the reformatory instructions of fourteen ninety eight inquisitors are ordered to be careful and to arrest no one on insufficient evidence an order the frequent repetition of which proves how little it was regarded it was thoroughly understood that the mere fact of imprisonment inflicted indelible infamy and all of the authorities urged the utmost caution in the exercise of this tremendous power in theory at least stronger proof was therefore required by inquisitors than by the judges of other courts it ought to be as strong as that which justified torture what was known as semi-plena but this merely consisted in the evidence of a single unexceptionable witness when there was apprehension of flight less was required and sosa a portuguese authority tells us that in heresy flight is always to be apprehended it is true that in sixteen thirty the suprema ordered that arrest on the testimony of a single witness should not be made without its permission but this exercised little restraint such an arrest was made in sixteen thirty eight of domingo de mesquita with a sort of apologetic explanation that he was a portuguese and had already been tried on the same charge of judaism one or two cases will show how little real benefit in practice the accused derived from all this elaborate parade of preliminary precautions in toledo june five fifteen o one the fiscal informed the tribunal that isabel daughter of alvaro ortolano was defamed for heresy and asked for her arrest the inquisitors replied that they would order it if sufficient evidence was presented whereupon he offered the testimony of a prisoner that she had heard isabel say that she observed the jewish fasts and on this a warrant of arrest was promptly issued considering that the accused was a child ten years of age her summary arrest on evidence so flimsy shows how little impression the instructions of fourteen ninety eight had produced the toledan inquisitors did not grow more cautious with time september sixteen fifteen forty one two workmen on the cathedral appeared before them and accused juan garcia a fellow workman of having revelations from god in his dreams a warrant was at once made out the portero was ordered to have him present that afternoon and if he demurred to take him to the prison he accordingly had his first audience the same day in these arbitrary proceedings the function of the fiscal was purely fictitious and he and the inquisitor if they had any sense of humour must have smiled as they acted their parts in the tragicomedy in fifteen thirty two before fernando loazes the distinguished inquisitor of barcelona the fiscal appears and states verbally that it has come to his knowledge that when the impenitent and relapsed heretic joanna wife of hiltasis was to be arrested her husband had sought to conceal her wherefore he should be arrested as a fautor of heresy and impeder of the inquisition and in due time the proper information would be presented the only evidence was that of joanna taken by loazes himself but he gravely demanded to be informed and he ordered the summoning of all the witnesses whom the fiscal desired to produce 
then the fiscal to enlighten him presents the evidence from the record loases orders it to be inserted in the acts of the case pronounces it sufficient and issues the warrant of arrest in the secrecy of the tribunals there was thus nothing to prevent the exercise of discretional power to oppress the innocent as well as to punish the guilty that it was so abused appears from the remonstrance of the cortes of the kingdoms of aragon about fifteen thirty complaining that the inquisitors arrested people for the slightest causes and on mere report and then sometimes dismissed their prisoners without penance or with very slight sentences thus inflicting infamy on the parties their kindred and descendants which was not effaced by the release arrests they urged ought to be made only for grave offences and on sufficient proof to this the inquisitor-general disdainfully replied that the laws had been observed if the complainants thought otherwise let them produce instances this spirit did not promise amendment and although the instructions of fifteen sixty one prescribed caution and restraint matters must have grown worse through subordinates aping their masters for the concordia of fifteen sixty eight provides that familiars must not be allowed to make arrests without orders from the inquisitors even after the suprema had required to be consulted prior to ordering arrest small respect was paid to formalities in criticizing august twenty five sixteen ninety five the report of cases pending in valencia the suprema expresses astonishment that an arrest should have been made previous to the qualification of the charges in this case the accused was thrown into prison october twenty two sixteen ninety four and the qualification followed february nine sixteen ninety five but the suprema contented itself with this rebuke and merely ordered the prosecution to be pushed and not be allowed to become immortal the suprema need not have been surprised at this trifling informality in view of the atrocity of a group of cases comprised in a valladolid report of july sixteen ninety nine francisco hernandez castaneda had been imprisoned august thirty sixteen ninety seven his case is reported in the same state as before there being no testimony against him baltasar gonzalez cardozo aged fourteen was arrested august fifteen sixteen ninety eight and there is no evidence against him ana gutierrez aged nine was arrested august fourteen sixteen ninety seven and there is nothing against her as yet leona de paz was arrested september fifteen sixteen ninety eight and there is no proof against her thus these poor creatures had lain in jail for one or two years without a scintilla of evidence to justify their arrest and the fact that the tribunal coolly makes this report indicates that there was in it nothing unusual or regarded as scandalous among the reforms which carlos the third attempted to introduce towards the close of the eighteenth century was that of requiring manifest proofs of heresy as a necessary preliminary to arrest but llorente informs us that his decrees were not obeyed still in time there was an improvement in this as in so many other directions 
perhaps partially influenced by the poverty of the holy office and its desire to avoid the maintenance of poor prisoners thus in the case at cuenca of juan francisco de la landera a jubilado notary of confiscations prosecuted in eighteen sixteen on suspicion of being the author of a memorial to the king and of other offences he was allowed to be at large during nearly the whole course of the trial and it was not until after the presentation of the accusation and his reply that it was voted to imprison him and embargo his property the reason commonly alleged in deprecation of reckless arrest was the infamy cast on the accused and his kindred but this was by no means the only infliction peculiar to the inquisition there was a special hardship in the segregation at once imposed on the prisoner from the moment of his arrest the utmost care was taken to prevent his exchanging a word with any one when it took place at a distance the commissioner was instructed to observe this with the utmost rigour both in confining the prisoner on the spot and in sending him to the tribunal if two or more were arrested simultaneously they were strictly kept apart both in prison and on the road thus in sixteen seventy eight when several judaizers were to be seized at pastrana the instructions from toledo were that they were at once to be shut up incommunicado in houses of officials and to be sent to toledo one by one observing rigid precautions that they should speak with no one each was to be under charge of a familiar and if there were not enough in pastrana those of the neighboring towns were to be called upon the misery caused to the prisoner and his family by the arrest was intensified by the sudden inhibition of all exchange of affection and all instruction and advice as to what they were to do in their affliction another feature falling with especial severity on the poorer classes arose from the rule of the inquisition to cast all expenses on its prisoners the officer who made the arrest was instructed to bring with him a specified sum to be deposited with the alcaide of the prison for the maintenance of the prisoner also a bed for him to sleep on and clothes for him to wear if as usually was the case the required amount was not found in cash among the effects of the culprit enough of his household goods was sold at auction to meet the demand the working of this is seen in the case of benito peñas a poor plough-maker of cabena near alcala de henares a half-crazed devotee who created scandal by denying that christ had died on the cross the order for his arrest by the toledo tribunal january twenty five sixteen forty one required the familiar to bring with him thirty ducats for expenses and a bed the only coins found in benito's possession amounted to nineteen quartos bayon equivalent to about two and a half reales so on sunday february tenth all his little possessions of tools furniture and clothing except the garments on him and two old shirts were sold at auction even the rosary in his hands was included but the total proceeds after deducting charges amounted to only twenty ducats of this 
about a half was absorbed by the expenses of guards and conveyance to toledo and only one hundred five and a half reales were delivered with him at the carceles secretas out of which the tribunal refused to pay anything to the familiar for his time and labor benito's mental unsoundness developed rapidly in his incarceration and in august he was discharged as irresponsible the authorities of Cobeña were obliged to take him home at their own expense and doubtless to support him afterwards as he had been deprived of all means of earning his livelihood while with customary inquisitorial logic in spite of his insanity he was condemned to wear a party-coloured garment of grey and green in penance for his heresy in the case of a religious if his peculium was insufficient to furnish the desired amount the superior of his convent was required to complete it end of book six chapter three part one recording by shenna sir fresno california